live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and welcome. How are you? Well, it's uh, Monday, May the 9th, the year 2022. Hope all you moms had a spectacular day yesterday. I hope you were catered to. I hope you were spoiled and pampered. You deserve it. And now we roll on. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also right down the road or over on the road at 104 Lake Charles. It is great to be with you. We are um, streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. We're also simulcast in the Acadiana area. Uh, So a variety of ways, 133 and 132.3 on LUS5. We've got all kinds of ways that we can be seen and heard. And what a weekend it was. Wow. Rich strike with a fantastic closing stretch run at the run for the roses at 80 to one. One of the biggest long shots in the history of horse racing gets it done on the most heavily bet Kentucky Derby ever won. And it was one run and it was won by the biggest long shot in the field. A record 179 million was bet. In the Paramutual Pool on Saturday's Kentucky Derby, only 501000 of the total amount wagered on the win pool was on Rich Strike, the lowest of any horse in the field, and why not? But Rich Strike, who went off at 80-1, to 1, sprinted past favorites Epicenter and Zandon in the final moments to pull off the upset in the race's 148-year history, at Churchill Downs. Um, what was amazing was that here here's a horse that wasn't even in the Derby field until Friday after a late scratch. Wasn't even in the field. Wow. Remarkable. Remarkable. Jim Mattress Mac McInvale, the Houston furniture store owner who's known to make those Gaudy, outrageous bets. Wasn't lucky. Uh, he lost $2.6 million betting on the Derby. One and a half of it on a straight bet on favorite epicenter to win. So there you go. Wow. It was a great weekend for Raging Cajun baseball and softball. Uh, I mean, they just took care of their business. The baseball squad swept UT Arlington 4-3. On Friday, 4-3 on Saturday, and 6-5 and 11 innings on Sunday. Maybe a little bit too close for comfort, but a win is a win is a win, and you take it and you run to the bank, and the Cajuns now 
have improved as they get better and better exponentially throughout the course of the year. They're 28 and 17 overall, 17 and 7 in Sunbelt Conference play. And uh, next up, they've got a Tuesday, Wednesday battle at Rice. And then they'll head from Houston to San Marcos, Texas for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday affair against Texas State. So the Cajuns will be on the road all week long. Meanwhile, the softball team continues as they closed out Sunbelt Conference play with a three-game sweep of UL Monroe, 14-1 to in five innings on Friday, 10-3 to Saturday, 10-3 to on um, the second game of a Saturday doubleheader. And now they await their fate as they know that come Wednesday in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in Mobile, Alabama, it'll be either the Cajuns versus ULM or Coastal Carolina, whoever wins that first matchup. The Cajuns, a gaudy 41-11, and 23-4 in conference play, and they have won nine straight. LSU baseball wins two out of three against Alabama. They won the opener 6-5 on Friday, had maybe their worst game of the season on Saturday where they just couldn't get anything done, and the Tide rolled 8-3, and then the Tigers bounced back even without Jacob Berry in the lineup with a 12-3 win over the Crimson Tide. So now the Tigers, 32-15 overall, 14-10, in the SEC, tied for third, Tennessee's one, Arkansas's two, LSU's right there at number three, and the Tigers will have another busy week, albeit all at home this week. Uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, it'll be LSU versus Southeastern, always a nice little matchup, 6.30 first pitch at the box, and then the Tigers will welcome maybe the most disappointing team in the conference, the Ole Miss Rebels, for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday affair NBA basketball for the second consecutive season Denver Nuggets center Nikola Jokic will be named the league's MVP over Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo it is what it is and in the ends and in the uh the NBA tournament as we call it it has been quite the matchups because Philadelphia, with Embiid back in the lineup, has certainly made a series out of theirs. They've given themselves a chance uh, in the playoff series versus the Heat, down two games to none. They've won back-to-back games, and they've turned that one into a best-of-three NBA playoff season. The Phoenix Suns have also lost two in a row to the Dallas Mavericks. That series tied at two apiece. John Morant will likely miss game four tonight versus the Golden State Warriors after he injured his knee in game number three. The Warriors with a two games to one lead in that series. So uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Game four, Milwaukee and Boston with the Bucks leading two games to one in that one. Spectacular stuff. Really spectacular stuff. Um And during that uh, unfortunate situation with Phoenix and Dallas, there was a young fan who pushed Chris Paul's wife and mother and used some uh, ill-advised words. He was uh, ushered out of the arena, and rightly so. There is no 
no call for that in any way, shape, or form. You cannot, fans must remain fans and not be fanatics and do those type of things. So an ugly scene uh, in the NBA on that one. Um, Along the lines of, you know, everything else out there, um, I I just, I'm, I'm, you know, this NIL thing is getting getting a lot of run these days, and and now there's going to be some adjustments made to this thing, and, and rightly so. But I just love the direction that LSU Athletics is going with the new additions of Brian Kelly and Matt McMahon in football and basketball, respectively. Um, it always seemed like, and this is not a knock on either Ed Ogeron or Will Wade. I thought they both, for what they accomplished, um, you know, Ed, Ed gave us the greatest season in, in, in college football history. Will Wade made basketball relevant again on campus, something that hadn't been there in a while. So for that, I'm forever and eternally grateful. But it always felt like, man, we were in the shadows. Like something was just didn't feel clean. It just didn't feel right. It just didn't, man, does it feel clean and right now? Now, granted, not a game has been played, not we have nothing to base anything upon other than what we visualize, what we hear, and the reaction of players. Boy, and it sure seems like they got everything heading in the right direction. Really does. And that's uh, that's a really good thing. Really good thing. Um, is there any momentum, anything whatsoever to do with Jarvis Landry and the New Orleans Saints? Well, there's, it's gaining some momentum. It's it's gaining some some traction. Um, whether something happens or not, I, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. Uh, would I like to see him in a Saints uniform? Uh, absolutely. Just another weapon. If it's affordable, it's another weapon. And the more weapons you have today the better chances you have to win football games. And that's all that matters to me. It's all that matters to me. So um, busy, busy day planned for you and yours. I'll tell you our guest list. Uh, Chris Reed will join us here shortly. We'll talk LSU baseball. Matthew Bruni uh, will talk a little LSU football and find out what's going there. LSU basketball, some of the signings they've got. Karaski Melvin will join us in hour number two. Everything with the Raging Cages. Of course, he's the weekend anchor for KLFY. Michael, Michael Bakeshock will talk about the historic run of Rick Strike. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, and then Blake Rafino will join us, as he always does, on each and every Monday. We are brought to you um, each and every Monday by Eon of Lafayette. And it's... Uh, it's amazing the results that happen. On average, patients see 21 to 25% fat loss after a full abdominal treatment. A total abdomen treatment combines treatments on the abdomen and the frank flanks, you know, those love handles, and takes under two hours to complete. Eon is comfortable due to our proprietary jet impingement cooling system. Although the fat is hot, 
your skin is cool and it's dignified. There's no straps, no pulling, no pinching, no gels, no aftercare. Eon of Lafayette, smarter body contouring. We're just rolling. When we return, LSU baseball wins two out of three. They keep upping their chances to be a NCAA tournament host. We'll talk all about their week that was when we return to the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, we are back at 17 minutes after the hour on this uh, Monday, May the 9th, the year 2022. Hope you're having a great, great day as we begin another, another work week. LSU finished their work week last week with a uh, series win over the Alabama Crimson Tide. It started on a Friday when the Tigers used an explosive fifth inning and five really good innings of relief pitching to, to, beat, to, to beat Alabama 6-2 five um bats came alive in the fifth with five hits five hits a solo shot by tyler mcmanus an rbi single by jacob berry an rbi double by k Doty, and a two-run blast by trey morgan um and then uh the tigers handed it over to their bullpen and um they did a tremendous tremendous job eric razelman paul gervais uh cooper hasty uh, those four combined to keep the Crimson Tide scoreless through the final five innings. Cooper uh, threw one and two-thirds innings. It was credited with the win. Gervais earned its fifth save of the season. So now you move onward to game number two. And as good as game one was, that's how bad game number two was. Um, Jacob Berry sat on the bench with a fractured finger. LSU starting pitcher Blake Money. Struggled to find the strike zone. Didn't make it out of the first inning. Um, and that made for a bad start and an even worse finish. Despite Dylan Cruz hitting two home runs, um, LSU's defense faltered. And Alabama won it going away 8-3. to three. Um, A drop pop-up by Jordan Thompson at shortstop. An RBI double that was bobbled in right field by Josh Pearson. Allowed an extra run to score. Um, Alabama extended its lead from um, a one-zip deficit to a six-run lead. The score remained seven to one um, until the seventh. K. Doty single. Dylan Cruz hit his second home run of the night. A two-run blast over the right field wall to make it seven to three. But that's all she wrote. Um, it was it was just one of those games where. It was, you know, the defense was embarrassing. The pitching issued eight walks. LSU's offense struck out 12 times and produced only three hits and no runs batted in outside of Cruz, who went three for three with a three-ribby night. So he was all the Tigers had. So now that made for Sunday and a very pressurized situation. 
and LSU turned their worst performance of the season into one of their best in the season, a 12 to three series clinching win with error-free defense, really outstanding bullpen pitching, which has become the strength of this club Four three run innings, 15 hits, three home runs. It's a pretty darn good day. And all this again with Jacob Berry sitting the game out. Hopefully he will be okay. Uh, six players had multiple hits. Thompson went three for four. Cruz, three for six. Gavin Duga, two for three. Tyler McManus, two, four, five. And um, Josh Pearson, two for five. Bianco, two for five. Uh, Bianco started in left field. Collier Cranford started at third base in place of Barry, who set out for a second straight day with a fractured finger. So um, you got to give this team and these players I mean, pat on the back. They they just they don't flinch. They keep on playing, and they don't let one bad performance carry over into two. Um, Sunday was the second day in a row where LSU starter didn't make it out of the first inning, but that bullpen was outstanding, outstanding. Hasty, Reiselman, Cooper, Fontenot. Um, The four limited the tide to two runs on four hits in the final four and a third innings. So with the win, LSU now 32 and 15, 14 and 10 in the SEC, finds itself tied for second place in the SEC West with Texas A&M and tied for third overall in the SEC with two weekends to go. Tennessee running away with it in the East. Uh, A&M, I mean, excuse me, Arkansas with the lead in the West. So if the season ended today, the Tigers would be the fourth seeded team in the SEC tournament and would earn a one, a day one by meaning they wouldn't have to play in the first day single elimination format. Now they've got 14 league wins. So LSU likely needs to win only three of the next six to earn an NCAA national seed and to host a regional, in theory. So five games at the box this week. Southeastern Louisiana on Tuesday, Ole Miss this weekend. The Tigers close out their home schedule against Northwestern State a week from tomorrow, and then they travel to Nashville for the final regular season series against Vanderbilt. So stay tuned for that. Um, Having a tough time. Uh, Chris Reed is not answering. Something's come up. But that's okay. Onward and upward we press. On the softball diamond, LSU fell short of a sweep. Mississippi State came from behind to get a win Sunday in Starkville. Uh, The Tigers jumped out to a 5-0 lead in the second inning. Uh, Danica Coffey hit a grand slam, but the Bulldogs responded with six unanswered runs. Four in the fourth, two in the sixth to win it 6-5. So, Um, afterwards, LSU learned that they would be the number six seed in the 2022 SEC tournament, which begins Tuesday at Katie Cecil Presley Stadium in Gainesville, Florida. The Tigers will take on number 11 seed Mississippi State on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, May 11th at 11 a.m. So there you go. Uh, Back to baseball. I think, you know, after after all these games being played, um, I think you can count on um, 
the bats, you know, I think they, they respond, you know, there's 47 games in the books. Now, I think you can count on Mikhail Hilliard to, to giving you four to five innings and keeping you in a game after that, boy, you're going to have to rely on that bullpen because no one has shown any consistency whatsoever as a starting picture. And that really, really bothers you or bothers me when it comes to tournament time, the SEC tournament, where you have to play game after game. If you're fortunate enough to survive in advance, it's going to, you know, if you don't have the good starting pitching, you can only go to the bullpen so often. So that is uh, that is a worrisome aspect of this LSU baseball team to say the very, very least. Uh, but it is what it is, and they've got a great opportunity now um, at home against uh, the Ole Miss Rebels uh, this weekend. Ole Miss um, has up their position now. They've made a little run of late. They're now 10 and 14 in conference play. So in the West, Arkansas 16 and 8, a two game lead over LSU and Texas AM, both at 14 and 10. Auburn's in solo of uh, third at 13 and 11. Ole Miss, Alabama at 10 and 14. And Mississippi State bringing up the rear at 9 and 15. How the mighty have fallen. Tennessee running away with things 20 and 4 overall in conference play, 42 and 6 in SEC play. Just a dominant, dominant team. Dominant team. Uh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We'll take a time out here when we come back. We'll see if we can get Matthew Bruni on from uh, Go247. Talk all things LSU. Baseball, football, basketball, maybe even some beach volleyball. Who, Boy, they just came real close to getting to the Final Four. Florida State ended their season, but a great, great season overall for LSU beach volleyball. If you haven't seen that sport, man, it's fun to watch. All right, Matthew Bruni coming up next here. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. May the 9th, it's Monday, brought to you by Eon of Lafayette, Smarter Body Contouring, the first robotic, touchless, laser body contouring device for non-invasive, permanent fat loss. Matthew Bruni, Go247 Sports, kind enough to join us. Matthew, how you doing, man? How's life? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, as always. Um, yeah, I just had a, went to a wedding this weekend, so it was a, Nice. Little uh, get away for a bit, but now now I'm back. 
Very good. Weddings are fun and all that stuff. That's great. Um, all right, let's let's start things off with LSU baseball. They win uh, two out of three against Alabama. I, I think um, one, uh, the bats are pretty good. Two, the bullpen is really really good. And three, other than Mikhail Hilliard, you got no starting pitching. Does that make sense? That sum it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it makes complete sense because you really look past Hilliard and you're you're not inspired by performances like Money, Sam Dudden, and um, anybody else here, but they, as you mentioned, they have come alive in the bullpen uh, over the past month or so. They've really been mm-hmm. impressive there because you look at this series, they didn't, the starting pitching wasn't great outside of maybe Hilliers, who wasn't even, you know, his, I wouldn't say it was his best game. And then right. uh, fielding was hit or miss for a bit, and uh, they still find a way to get two out of three uh, at Alabama. So uh, you, you take it and you move forward into a really interesting series with Ole Miss in the coming week. Yeah, Ole Miss is getting a little bit better. They're ten and fourteen now. They were at the bottom of the barrel early on, but um, uh, mm-hmm. Mike Bianca looks like he's turned a corner. Might save his job. Might not save his job. I don't know. Um, but it sure makes for an interesting SEC tournament because, uh, uh, you know, I go back a long ways when LSU would be there, and they'd like, I hope we lose so we can go home and uh, we can get ready for hosting the regional or, uh, you know, when, when, and all that stuff. Now it's a different story. They're going to need this this tournament to um, possibly up the ante and, and, and secure a postseason host site. Yeah, because all, I mean, when you look at all the rankings and everything, you, some have them 14, some have them 20, some have them 18. So obviously you want to get into that 16 range where you can new host. And I, I think it's going to be interesting because like you said, Ole Miss is starting to hit his stride a bit, but you play them at home and, a sweep here would be huge. You know, two out of three would be would be good, and then you end with yeah. Vanderbilt, obviously. So uh, I do think it's a it's a pretty big series for them because of the reasons that that we talked about. Uh, Jacob Barry sat out two games with a fractured finger. That's nothing to sneeze about. Um, any word on his his recovery and and when he might be able to play again? Uh, I I haven't uh, heard anything. Uh, I was. Yeah. Uh, swamped this afternoon, but I'm getting to the uh, the baseball stuff later, later this evening. But yeah, it's definitely something that's interesting because we've known that maybe he could bat left-handed, but he couldn't uh, bat left-handed. So uh, yeah, broke finger in practice, and uh, I, I'm interested to see how long that holds him out. But hopefully not too long, because as we know, he's one of the best, you know, one of the best hitters in, in the country when he's going. Uh, excuse my ignorance here. Um, fractured finger on his. Left hand, right hand, which hand? Do we know? Um, I do not remember off the top of my head, but okay. yeah, it's definitely. I'm definitely going to be. He's definitely a guy you need in the in the postseason, and especially even though Dylan Cruz had the weekend that he had. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, what's going on at the LSU football ops building? Um, are they uh, are they still looking around in the portal for? grad uh, transfer. Uh, I think that's the only, the only way they can go now, right? Yeah. Um, also, to, to go back, uh, the injury was to his right hand. He broke a finger in his right, right hand. hand. Okay. Uh, All right. Thank yeah, you. very good. Uh, but, yeah, on the football side, uh, I obviously you can't – players can't enter the portal anymore. May 1st was the deadline for that. So now it's kind of like whoever's in is now looking for a home. And I think for the most part, LSU is comfortable. But we've heard a lot of talk about um, – 
you know, offensive line, maybe um, some defensive line depth. Uh, but we know that the cornerback position was a big deal, and they, that's when they picked up seven banks out of Ohio State. So, mm-hmm. you know, with that addition, I think they that shores them up a bit in the back end. I think they're comfortable with the safety spots, linebacker spots. Uh, I'm really looking at offensive line as being a key piece for depth. But I, I think another thing we have to remember is they didn't have Garrett Dellinger, they didn't have Marlon Martinez, they didn't have Anthony Bradford for spring ball for the most part. I, I think once they get those guys back, I'm looking at this offensive line as having pretty adequate depth. Yeah. Um, Going into going into the fall, Bradford gives you a lot of experience, and and Coach Kelly kind of hinted around when he was with the TAF traveling Tiger Tour in in Lafayette that they were getting back a player on the offensive line that, that's played a lot of ball. He called him an NFL kind of a player. I mean, um, Bradford, what does that do? I mean, does this open up competition even more so now on this offensive line? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's. It's interesting, too, because we saw Bradford uh, started guard last year for a bit, or, I mean, at least play guard last year, and then bounce outside to tackle. And I think it's, he's an interesting, vers- versatile piece for them because coming out of spring, I felt really good about Campbell, Shorts, Turner, Frazier, Wire, uh, as five guys that you could trust in, in the lineup. And then you add in Dellinger, you add in Bradford, and now I'm like, okay, who's getting kicked out of here? Like, Charles Turner's probably the one guy that everybody's like, you know, we don't, you know, people don't really trust him to this point, but also there's not a bona fide center on this team that can replace him. So uh, then you have Miles Frazier and Tremont Shorts at the guard positions, and they are transfers that are, you know, highly touted, really uh, impressive guys during the spring. And then Cam Wire at tackle has been there uh, now yeah. two years in a row, and Will Campbell's been a star freshman. So uh, I actually like the depth, especially when you add Anthony Bradford and Garrett Dellinger back. And, you know, it's not even talking about Emory Jones, true freshman. Uh, Marlon Martinez, who I mentioned, Xavier Hill. So, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting offensive line group that Brad did said. It may, it may become a strength. Is Dellinger going to um, try and get some snaps at center and make that uh, a competition? I had heard that before. Is that still the yeah. plan? I, I assume that, that he will try because as much as I think Charles Turner did for his stock to start at center, I still think it's going to be a pretty competitive battle with anybody who wants to – you know, fight for snaps because left guard, right guard, center, I mean, all those interior offensive line spots are going to be pretty competitive here. So I wouldn't be surprised at all, all of Dellinger like, hey, let me get some snaps here at center. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe a couple other guys that I'm not thinking of as well maybe can, can do the same thing. But uh, the center positions will be highly competitive, assuming that Brad Davis doesn't just say it's Charles Turner's job for the right. ball. I got a funny feeling the offensive line is going to be just fine. Um, the big question, of course, is still at quarterback. Now, I know the coaches are meeting, and they, they might have a great idea of who their guy is. But they got to let that be known pretty early in camp, right? Because you got to devise an offense that brings out the best in that player. And it seems to me they're all, they're all different in what, they, what their strengths are. So I yeah. mean, we got to make a decision soon, right? That's that, that's exactly what I said. Right after spring, the spring game, I wrote a story just saying, uh, kind of off of the quote that Brian Kelly gave, where you know, where he said, you know, it, it didn't give us much clarity. If anything, it made it more difficult. I kind of wrote a story off that because it it should be starting to get a little easier, you know, because because of the reason that you said they are such different players, all three of them: right. Jaden Daniels, Mobile. 
uh, Garrett Nussmeyer because of his arm and because of what he, his kind of, I don't, I don't want to call him a gunslinger, but because of that kind of mentality that he has. And then Miles Brennan, because of his experience and uh, his lack of mobility and his accuracy, they're all very different here. And so an offense with Garrett Nussmeyer is different from an offense from Miles Brennan and Jaden Daniels. And for that reason, I cannot see this competition going very deep into fall at all. I think we see somebody start getting a majority of the first team reps because it's hard enough to devise an offense for new coaches. Um, it's got to, it's impossible to create three different offenses. I mean, not just for the quarterback, but for the receivers, the offensive line. I just can't see it going very deep into fall. I mean, if like if Lane Kiffin was the coach, I'd say, well, Garrett Nussmeyer has a heads up on everybody. But it it, it mm-hmm. all depends upon what the head coach values the most. Is he conservative by nature? Is he, you know, does he like to gamble a little bit? And I, I, I think that will determine who the quarterback is going to be. But I, I, I'm I'm with you. They they got to come up with a decision because they've got to put it install a whole type of an offense geared to that because you're not going to run the same type of offense for if miles brennan is a quarterback or if Jaden daniels is the quarter you're just not going to do it so i, mm-hmm. I think that's still the biggest question mark yeah 100 percent. so that's that's why you hoped that coming out of spring that they could get some clarity to hear um obviously they added Jaden daniels so late into the process yeah. that you kind of knew it wasn't going to be like oh Jaden daniels is a starter or Jaden daniels can't play uh, it was always going to be an evaluation process, but the evaluation process should be pretty much done at this point. And now it's up to Den Brock and Kelly to be like, all right, we have these weapons on the outside. We have, you know, a good offensive line, good running back. Do we just want a guy who's going to be accurate, Miles Brennan? Do we want to, um, you know, run different personnel and try to get Jaden Daniels on the move? It's just going to be a really fascinating question going into fall, but, uh, I do think that's still the the main question at the moment. No question, Matthew Burley, go two four seven sports, and of course, I, I, I'm always I try to be on the optimistic side of things, but I'm not in this case because it tells me that no one on a consistent basis has outshined everybody else. So there's not a clear-cut favorite as far as from everything I'm reading and from what everybody said about the spring game and everybody said about scrimmages it would be this guy had a good day, then the next time this guy had a good day. and But nobody, no one alpha dog just took off and ran away with it. And that that brings a little cause of consternation on my part. I mean, it's great to have three quarterbacks, but I'd rather have one great quarterback and not have anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, to your point, we I went through spring, and I was pretty pretty adamant. I mean, Jaden Daniels was getting a lot of the first-team reps. Every time out, he would be the first quarterback. In the spring game, he was the first quarterback okay. out. Um, but after the spring game, you know, you ask any LSU fan, and they're like, who's the starting quarterback? None of them would have said Jaden Daniels. None of them would have said Jaden Daniels looked like the starting quarterback, even though throughout the spring, for whatever it's worth, he was getting most of the first-team reps, or at least the initial first-team reps. Um, so I, I don't think that they have a great idea, and I completely agree with you. You you want one of them over a month stretch, because it wasn't like spring ball was two weeks. It, it was spread out. It was a whole month, and none of them showed that, all right, this is a guy who's going to be 
you know, a top five SEC quarterback. You know, you just didn't get that feeling from them. Now, maybe Brennan, maybe Daniels, maybe one of them surprises us. But at the moment, unless they have three of the top ten quarterbacks in the SEC, I just don't see that being uh, the yeah. position they're in right now. So it is going to be, to go back to our earlier conversation, it's going to be pivotal that they design an offense around whoever the starter is and get them in comfortable positions. Matthew Bernie, go to four seven sports. Um, I've got to shift to basketball. I think the job that Matt McMahon and his staff have done to this point in time under under such extenuating circumstances, I don't know how they go into living rooms and convince kids to come play here when the kids don't know what's going to happen to the LSU basketball program. Uh, he must be a great salesman, but um, your thoughts on the job he's done in such a short amount of time here. Uh, as we are into the month of May, he had nobody. He had nobody. Now he's got some yep. bodies. Yep. I think uh, I think it was April 1st I did a story or shaded a story on how there were zero scholarship players. You know, there were zero scholarship players on the team. And we, I, I came on here to talk to you, and both of us had a similar feeling that it just felt like a rebuild year. It felt like a year where they were just not going to be able to compete um, at a, even a adequate level in the SEC, but to their credit, like you said, they've done a great job of getting, we knew they were going to have a good shot with the Murray State guys, right? Justice Hill, K.J. Williams, Trey right. Hannibal, cool, those are good players. I like, I love K.J. Williams and Justice Hill especially, but to get Tyrell Ward, to get Jalen Reed, two high four-star uh, freshmen to come in, I mean, that's, that's, that's huge. That does a yeah. ton for the feeling of this team. And then, obviously, uh, and Monty Wilkinson and uh, Justice Williams come back. That's big. And then, obviously, what everyone's waiting on right now is Adam Miller, who will announce his decision on Friday between LSU and TCU. Um, you know, I've been talking to people around the team. Some people are, some people feel good. Some people aren't sure. It's just going to be a real interesting day on Friday to see if Miller comes back to isn't, LSU. Isn't it amazing? Now they're they're giving timelines as to when they're going to make a decision. There's one reason and one reason alone for that. Let's see what kind of NIL deals we can get come up with. Who's going to offer the most to me? And then I'll make my decision from there because, I mean, that's quite obvious. Quite obvious. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely a factor in every single, every single recruiting pitch nowadays. It's, the coach will go in there not only with a plan, for playing time, not only a plan for how they're going to develop them, but also a plan for how the NIO um, part of the deal will work out. So, I, I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on it. I think it's going to be an interesting thing. But if you, you know, LSU versus TCU, in theory, LSU should have an NIL advantage there if LSU can, um, you know, come up with enough uh, to compete. So, I think it's a good. I think they're in a good spot, and I think. Uh, I mean, if I had to guess at this point, I would assume Miller comes back. But obviously, there's a lot of pull factors from TCU as well. So, yeah, the whole and, NIL thing is is definitely something that I'm trying to get get a better grasp of. I'm reading everything I can, but it's still just mm -hmm. weird how the NCAA is trying to bring everything back and just yeah, yeah, not <laughs> a sure. day late and a dollar short, as they say. But look, you got Baton Rouge <laughs> versus Dallas. I'm just saying that's yeah. a that's a very uh, well to do university. So. So we shall see. I've always been, um, as a player, as a broadcaster, um, I've always been in favor of teams scheduling really good games. I've always been that proponent. I'm going to give Matt McMahon and his staff a pass this year. Schedule all the cupcakes you want. 
Uh, you got to build a foundation. You got to build some confidence. Uh, it's not going to be fan friendly. It's not going to be fan appealing, but you, you don't want to go uh, lead the lamb to slaughter with this lineup because you got so many newcomers and transfers. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be different. So I give them a pass. Uh, are you in favor of that as well? Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't think I'd see the day you gave someone a pass. I know an easy schedule. So, yep. yeah, well, I mean, I, I have to agree with you too. Um, pretty much. I, I just think there's so much turnover here. It feels like it's going to take a while for, for these tight guys to get comfortable with one another. I mean, you got guys from Murray State coming in, which was a whole different style. You have freshmen coming in. As we know, that's always a whole different element. Uh, if Adam Miller, you have some returners who just played, you know, a completely different style with Will Wade last year. I have no clue how it's going to blend together, but yeah. I feel a lot better at this moment than I did, obviously, two weeks ago when we were looking at the cupboard and it was looking pretty bare. Now, on the other side, Kim Mulkey, go schedule Connecticut. Go schedule uh, Stanford, go because she's loaded again. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, Maryland transfer. Um, I mean, eighteen and ten. Uh, they, she lost a uh, transfer. Uh, Esmeri Martinez, I believe the name was. Uh, and I was like, dang, that's that's a pretty big loss. And then she just goes gets Angel Reese from Maryland, who was pretty much yeah. the best player on. I mean, Maryland's always a really good ba- women's basketball right. program, and so that's just huge. They're going to be really solid again. Uh, she tried to play it. it. It's just funny. She tried to play it down to be like, oh, we're losing all these seniors. And I mean, it's not like Kim Mulkey was ever going to be complacent with or be happy with coming in eighth in yeah. the SEC. She was always going right. to go head hunting and go get the players that she wanted. So, yeah, they're they're going to be really good again. Matthew, really go two four seven sports. Um, Vegas is coming out with odds back to football um, over under seven wins. I, you know. <sighs> I think with Brian Kelly coaching, I just have a such a better – I have the best feeling I have about the leadership of this program since Nick Saban was here. Um, no offense yeah. to Les Miles and Ed Orgeron. Ed gave us the greatest season ever, but I was always like mm, a little leery here and there. I'm not leery with this guy. You know what I mean? I, 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 yeah. I Man, I'm taking the over on seven. Gosh. Yeah, I, I, I haven't – looked at it but i thought someone said six and a half and i was like if it's six and a half I mean, i'm gonna go bet my i don't have a house but i'm gonna go buy a house and then sell it and place it on on over six and a half but uh i mean if, if nothing else just because you have the non-conference schedule should in theory give you i think four wins i mean florida state is okay that could be could be tough i might be understating them but florida state southern new mexico and uab i mean that's four Right there, right? right? And so all you have to do right. is get three and five in the SEC to get to seven. And I, I'm looking at it, and if we assume this team is just solid and the starting quarterback situation gets worked out, I, I think three is very, very, very attainable. Very like, doable, so yes. I, I, look at it, I look at seven as pretty, being the really the floor here. And, you know, I, you know, if you talk to some LSU fans, they're like, oh, eight, nine, game four. I'm Seven is the floor to me pretty easily, and I think – if, if I had to pick it right now, I'd have him at probably eight wins. Uh, but that's obviously without doing that's fair. complete research yeah. and yeah, and looking at who starts at quarterback at like A and M and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I think eight would be a fair and reasonable number to attain, and I think LSU people should be happy with that. But 
of course they won't be. We'll see. All right, my guy. Uh, thank you so much. I'm glad you had a good time at the wedding and uh, glad you joined us today, man. You take care. Yep. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Man. All right, Matt. Matthew Bruni, go to four seven sports. All right. Oh, I'm interested in this, but I can't, I, I can't participate, but you can the game. One Oh three, seven Lafayette, one Oh four, one Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of top gun Maverick. Yes, indeed. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting top gun T O P G U N to six, eight, six, eight, three. That's top gun to six, eight, six, eight, three to score a pair of tickets for a sneak special sneak Peak Preview, May 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the Top Gun Sneak Preview brought to you by Big Boy Toys and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Back to wrap up our number one next. All right, welcome back. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants us to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Astros take on the Rangers, May 21st. You can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations on that Saturday evening. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Coming up, hour number two, uh, Karaski Melvin, KLFY, all things Raging Cajuns. Michael Bakeshock will go back and relive the drama of the Kentucky Derby. And Blake Rafino. who knows what we'll talk about when it comes to the Tigers with Blake Rafino. We're brought to you by Eon of Lafayette. Smarter body contouring. Lose up to two to two and a half inches in your belly permanently. All right, we'll be back. Hour number two, Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Come on back, everybody. Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go coming up. Um, we'll talk uh, relive the Kentucky Derby with Michael Bakeshock. We'll talk LSU stuff with Blake Rafina, but we begin our number two on this Monday, May 9th, brought to you by Eon Smarter Body Contouring, the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss. We welcome in from KLFY, the weekend sports anchor, Karaski Melvin, back for another go with us. Karaski, good afternoon, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Hopefully your weekend was well. It was good. Good Mother's Day. Um, everything was great. Um Everything looks great for Raging Cajun baseball and softball. Baseball, let's let's talk about them first at home. Um, the Teague at Russo Park with three closer than than I think maybe was expected, but who cares? A win is a win is a win. They th- they win three games by a total of three runs overall, but a win is a win. What 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 was your biggest takeaway from the weekend? 
Well, one of the things that Coach uh, Diggs had mentioned about this team, grit. That this team loves to play together, and they're they're willing to stay in it for as long as as it takes, as long as necessary. You saw it all. Going back to yesterday, that went eleven innings in there, and they kept to it. Same going back further on Saturday and on Friday. And the thing that the coach mentioned, and the thing that I noticed is that if they're down, when they were down, it didn't necessarily seem like they gave it up and like there was a packet in. They came back, and sometimes they came back pretty quickly. The resiliency of this team throughout this series was definitely something to behold. It was definitely something you would see. And just the team gelling together, being down, and not staying out, I think that's definitely major. Dex did mention, however, you know, this team could play a lot better. I'd ask him how sustainable this is. He says, like, it's good to get this, these wins and everything like that, but we can play better as a team. And you were talk, I believe you were mentioning Kentucky Derby. Coach Dex kind of used the Kentucky Derby winner as kind of a metaphor for his team. Like, said that there is heart between the both of them. And sometimes with these wins, they're not necessarily the, the prettiest, the, the most beautiful. But, yeah. as he said, he'll get you in the money. And this weekend, the Cajuns went to the pay window each day, and they <laughs> went three for three to that series sweep. Well said, Karasi. Trey LaFleur was the uh, the star uh, of the 6-5, 11-inning uh, win. Uh, he got his first collegiate three-hit game, and his two-out ribby single in the bottom of the 11th won it. Uh, six to five. So, so that's, that's good. And, but, and look, they have, they have an opportunity. It's not going to be easy, but they have an opportunity. They're sitting currently uh, in third place in the Sunbelt conference standings at 17 and seven, one game behind Georgia Southern three games behind Texas state. Of course, they will close out the regular season of the Sunbelt conference playing Texas state in San Marcos. So this is one of those, it kind of reminds me, uh, Karaski of the softball team. They, they went on a long, long, long road trip. Uh, the raging Cajuns baseball team going to rice Tuesday and Wednesday in Houston. And then to go to the San Marcos Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, you know, they, it's the old cliche, right? They, they, they hold the keys to the, to the car right in their own hands. Now, can they, can they start it up if they sweep Texas state? Now we're oh, now we're talking. Absolutely, you, you know, destiny is in their hands. Coach Nick has mentioned like every game essentially is important going down the stretch as far as RPI is concerned, as far as the committee going forward. So there is so much importance, and getting that sweep over the weekend that was definitely a statement. Now there are these there are statements to be made going to right and then with Texas State to really show how this team can finish strong and, you know, show what they can do, their metal, and seeing how that can apply going towards the postseason. No question. Um, do you like the pitching staff for the Cajuns? Uh, yeah, I, th- I, I think it's, I think they're, I think they're pretty good. I think they're pretty good and everything like that. Um, definitely in this, in this series where like where a few runs were given up early, they were able to kind of tighten up. And I think that was good. To, that was good, especially when the hitting came to back them up. So that was definitely, that was definitely one, that was definitely one thing that I had noticed in the series against Texas, Ar- Texas Arlington 
is that, yes, when, when needed or nearing down the stretch, like they were able to, sure, they gave up a few, but towards the end, they, they kind of held firm. And even when, even when giving up with that, that in that game tying RBI on Sunday, yeah, that could have been the, oh my goodness, no hands in the air. However, they locked it down for the 10th and the 11th. That gave LaFleur a chance to get that RBI single to win it. By the way, he, when, when talking about it, he said, like, he was just a good person in that position. He believed that anyone on that team in that spot would do exactly what he did. He said he was just as fortunate to be that person to get that opportunity to win it for his team. Hmm. Uh, meanwhile, the softball team wrapped up the number one seed in the Sunbelt Conference softball tournament. You have to go all the way back to April 22nd for the last time uh, the, the softball team for the Raging Cajuns lost a game. That was to App State 4-1. to one. Since then, they've won nine in a row, and we know now that they will take on the winner of game one in the single elimination tournament of UL Monroe and Coastal Carolina. Um, one thing remains consistent. UL softball is always good. Always. Absolutely. 73 consecutive conference series won. That's extending a, na- a national leading total. That in itself is amazing to just think about it. And the fact that, once again, they are the number one seed. They have captured the regular season title is definitely something to behold. In their game against ULM, which is one of their potential opponents, 10-3, right. 10-3, to three, 10 to three, and 14-1. If I if I recall correctly, that's correct. Uh, that is correct. The the offense, like the offense, is, is like the offense was on high display, and even more so. We're talking about pitching with baseball. Think about with softball. One, two, three, four, seven, seven runs, seven runs in a in a in a sweep. There, eight strikeouts were like for Megan Shorman, for example, in Game One. Eight strikeouts in that win. She goes to thir- she goes to thirteen and four. This mm-hmm. team is re- this team is really, I wouldn't say peaking, but really showing they are really hot right now. And let's you know, see if it does carry over. I mean, also like just coming in um, as far as Sun Belt recognition, since we're talking about this about the tournament, Melissa Mayu right. named Sun Belt Player of the Year from the conference, and then Jordan Campbell selected as Sun Belt Newcomer of the Year. So the conference has taken note of this team and the players on it. Have the Cajuns done enough to host a um, a regional? Well, I actually, I, I think they, I think they have. I think that the body of work and I think the word that you mentioned earlier, consistency. This mm-hmm. team has definitely in re, in recent days have shown consistently how good what they how good they are, and I think that is de- that definitely should be made. Known and that definitely should give them a look to host one of the regionals, and we'll see. And of course, they'll have more opportunities as they go into the Sun Belt Conference tournament to give people enough more looks at them, seeing how far they go. But I would say, yeah, that regular season, a great regular season, especially going over the forty win mark. I gotcha. Um, you know, in this area, we cover the Saints, we cover the Tigers, we cover the Cajuns, we cover McNeese and the Cowboys. I know um, Jameis Winston is going to be the starting quarterback for 
the Saints. Um, McNeese has to replace Cody Ogeron. I don't know who's going to be their quarterback, and I still don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be for LSU or UL. Who's going who's gonna to be the first to make the announcement? Let's make a bet here. A little, I don't know, Diet Coke or something. Um, who's going to know? Who's going to announce who their starting quarterback is going to be before the others? Who do you think? Okay, so our choices are McNeese, LSU, UL, the Saints, right? Well, the Saints are out of the picture because we know it's Jameis Winston. But the other three, okay. you can start juggling a ball, and I don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback, and that kind of concerns me. Yeah, we're getting we're we're getting we're getting really close to fall. Um, I guess if I were to put if I were to put a diet coke on it, I I feel that LSU may make their decision a, a little a little sooner. Um, if I were just if I were just to guess it at first at, at first blush, of course of course at UL, you know there were you know we, we, I think we talked about it in our first meeting at the spring game. Definitely they were no they were noticing the, the two quarterbacks, and so I think you know I, I don't know I I give a tiny tiny edge that LSU may may, may announce theirs first, but you okay. you know you you never know like in the next. In the next five minutes, we could we could be hearing that an announcement to be made. So, I hear you, brother. I hear you, Karaski. Thank you so much for the update on all the the stuff for Asian Cajuns. I greatly appreciate it. Job well done, buddy. Thank you. All right, thank you. You guys have a good one. All right, Karaski Melvin, KLFY Sports Anchor slash Reporter. You know that Next Home Cutting Edge Realty is holding their annual Luke Day on June the 11th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. The charity event benefits Canine Companions, which is a nonprofit that gives to those with disabilities with their dogs. The event will be located at Bollier Park Dog Park at 411 West Bluebird Drive in Lafayette. A food truck, Kona Ice Snow Cone Stand will be on site. Music, treats, and prizes all proceeds will be donated to Canine Companions. That's Next Home Cutting Edge Realty's Luke Day on June the 11th. The run for the roses, a run for the ages. We'll have a look back and what it means after this timeout. The Jordy Helper Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Kalmus's call, the analysis from Mike Tirico, 80 to one shot. Rich Strike wins the Kentucky Derby. Michael Bakeshock, um, one of the best handicappers out there, uh, joins us yet again. He taught he joined us the week of, 
and now he joins us afterwards. Um, man, Michael, how do you how do you explain that? You don't. You don't explain that. That that's one of those things, Jordy, in in, in sports, which makes sports just one of you know yep. just so wonderful. And that you just can't explain. It's like when Leicester City won the Premier League a few years ago, and they were five thousand to one before the season. It's just magical. It's just one of those things that happens. If you're a betting person, you just got to turn the page and, and appreciate what, you know, what happened. The little guys can win. Yeah. This horse, uh, you know, was actually, he, he was re, kind of, he was regally bred um, by Calumet Farms, who, you know, was, is now the leading breeder of Derby winners. Uh, but, but they didn't like what they saw of with this horse, and they put him in a race where um, someone else could buy him back in um, in the fall, um, late fall. And someone <laughs> someone jumped in and said, okay, I'll take this horse for $30,000, and, you know, maybe we can make something out of it. And, wow, I mean, here you go. It's the first horse that's ever been claimed, meaning, meaning bought while he's racing, uh, and then won the derby. There's other horses that have run – for claiming races, but no one has ever bought them during those races. One of those, of course, was uh, Maximum Security a couple years uh-huh. ago. He he started out in a claiming race, and then another one was Charismatic, who, who won. He was also in a claiming race, but no one put up the money to buy him when they were offered. So uh, this is just one of those one-in-a-million kind of things. Actually, not one-in-a-million, an 81-to-one shot. That's what it wow. is. That's what, that's, what, that's what the horse paid to win. Wow. Amazing. Um, Rick Dawson, the owner of Rick Strike, found out his horse would be running in the Derby about 30 seconds before the Friday morning entry deadline. There were 22 horses available for 20 slots, had to have some scratches and ethereal road scratched, open the door. And I guess the rest is it. Did he start on the far outside in the 20th slot? He did. And he was the 21 horse. So he had to keep his number. He was the 21 on the list. So he was number 21, never been a 21 to win the Derby, of course, but he also started on the, on the far, far, far outside. Uh, But if you notice, you know, when they started the race, I mean, you got to give credit to the jockey. He was, he was going to put his horse in a position to win. He was number 20. He started 20 wide. But I would say after the first 10 seconds, he was on the rail. So he took him back yeah. and just put, you know, tried to say he saved as much ground as he could going into that turn and just hoped that the horse had something, you know, um, when they, when the, when the real running started. And as we said last week, I thought the race was, had a lot more speed than, than it, than in previous years. You know, I was right about that, but I got the rest of it wrong. You know, so it's hard. <laughs> this game is so tough, but when you get the part of it right and then you can't get the full thing right, you know, I really thought it was going to fall apart, that there would be a, a lot of early speed. And, and it was, a you know, um, I think it was a record for the half mile. After a half mile, they ran 45 and one, 45 seconds and a fifth. That's, I think, the fastest half mile ever. Wow. And um, and all those horses that were you know up there near the lead like Summers tomorrow he ran twentieth, Crown Pride who was second most of the way ran thirteenth, right. um, Messier was close you know he ran fifteenth so all those horses that were at the front finished in the back, and most of the horses that were kind of in the back 
finished in the front. And that's what you call a, you know, the race just totally collapsed on itself. To your point, Rick Strike was in 17th position in the final turn, and he just started accelerating, and you could just see him coming. I, I thought Epicenter had it, and all of a sudden I went, oh, my gosh, what? who is that coming? And there was no stopping that thing. So when, when you look, is there is there some equivalent? I mean, is this equivalent to – the USA beating Russia in hockey at Lake Placid. I mean, what what is this comparable to? Well, I think that's you know my, I know your listeners might not you know know the Premier League, but when Leicester City won the championship a couple of years ago, they started yeah. out as the longest odds in the whole league, and they won the championship. So it would be like. I don't know, Jordy, pick a football team that was horrible last year. There was, uh, who, you know, I don't know, Detroit or something, you know, winning the Super Bowl this year, right? But, but, okay. but, they, but you still have to have form going in because you have to make the playoffs. And I guess in a sense, Rich Strike made the playoffs because he accumulated enough points to get himself in the field. Um, it, but it's just, it is. It's, it's one of the long shot, you know, longer long shots uh, in sport. The hockey is a good analogy, you know, um, but anytime that he's the longest shot on the board and it wasn't even, you know, it was close him and classic causeway, but 80 to one shots just don't, they don't win period. They don't win on Wednesdays at, 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 you know, Evangeline downs. They don't win (laughs) the first Saturday in May, hardly ever. The the longest price ever was a 1913 uh, Donna and I think he was a little bit higher, maybe 90 to 1. So it's been, yes. you know, over 100 years before a horse has wow. paid this much. And nobody wins that Derby. race. Nobody wins that race from the 20th post position, do they? Of that, I'm not sure. I believe we may have had another 20. I think Country, well, that wasn't a win. Country House when he got the DQ over maximum security came from the 20 hole, but he actually, he didn't actually win the race. He ran second. So okay. um, wow. we may have had another 20. Um, and, and with the, you know, the new starting gate, they have a, a single long gate. So you're, you know, it's not, it's not as bad as it used to be, I guess, but um, it didn't matter. You know, he got to the rail, um, you know, the horse, one of the horses we talked about last week was Mo Donegal, who was on the yeah. rail. Yeah. So he got a really good trip. But then when the running started, Rich Strike was right to his outside for almost the entire race. And Rich Strike was able to find, when they both started running, he was able to find a hole to where he could really accelerate and extend. And Mo Donegal was not. He was not. We talked about his long stride. He was not able to get into that stride until probably the top of the stretch. And he still had horses in front of him lapped on the side. You know, he, he just couldn't accelerate the way Rich Strike did. And Rich Strike found every opening, you know, that every time he needed to find a hole, and I think there were three occasions he just could have gotten stopped. He found that hole and he just kept on coming. I was like, you, I just, I, I didn't know who was coming on the inside. I was pulling for Zandon. I thought for sure Zandon was going to get past Epicenter. He had the whole length of the stretch to do so, but he couldn't. Yeah. And then I was, I didn't know who was coming on the inside until his number cleared, yeah, you know, and yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's the oh 21 blackjack, you know, uh, yeah. crazy, crazy result. Michael Bakeshock with us. Let me ask you, what does that race do for Sonny Leon, the, the jockey? I mean, he was really good. 
Yeah, no, I mean, he had the horse, obviously, uh, and he made all the right decisions. You know, one wrong decision, and people would be saying, my goodness, Sonny Leon is a terrible jockey, right? Yeah. Which is not true. Um, he's, he's up and comer, you know, he's, he's not, uh, he doesn't ride the major circuit. So it's hard, you know, when you're not running against the best, you know, okay. he's kind of in the minor league. So I think this will help him obviously, you know, put him on the map. Um, he'll, he'll probably get a few more, um, a few more mounts from better right. trainers. Um, but right. he's got to move his tack, you know, move, he's got to go to where the other riders are riding gotcha. and the better horses are running. Uh, otherwise, he's just not going to get the opportunity. Doesn't looking back there, Jordy. It, you know, when a horse wins with an unknown rider, those riders usually don't. Like it doesn't really translate into you know instant success for those riders. You know, because it's just such a haul. It's a long grind. You got to go prove yourself somewhere. One race does not make uh, a jockey's uh, you know career, okay. but it helps trainers. You know, so Eric Reed will likely get a lot more horses, uh, okay. a lot better horses now. But he's been in the business for quite a long time, too. Okay. Uh, Michael Bachock, um, does Rick, 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 Rick Dawson and his team uh, that own and, and train Rick Strike, do they owe it to Thoroughbred Racing to run in the Preakness? I don't think they owe anything, but I, I, <laughs> but I think <laughs> – I think they're going to run if the horse is fit. You know, he's going to run. Uh, Derby winners have had tremendous success, even the long shot ones, you know, running in the Preakness. Uh, mind that bird, you know, beat every horse. Yeah. Well, he beat every horse, but he couldn't beat the filly. He couldn't beat Rachel Alexandra in the Preakness. Um, you know, we've had some other long shots. Animal Kingdom was 20 to 1. When he won, he ran third. So what you, what you see is, you know, a horse that usually wins the Derby, is in good form. So two weeks later, they're usually not going to lose that form, um, okay. and they're going to run well. Now, whether he can win, I don't know, but he'll he'll probably run well in the Preakness. The Belmont is a whole nother situation because it's another three weeks after. So horses right. can lose their their conditioning, their form, so to speak, over a five week period. But over a two week period, he's I mean he's going to be he's going to be one of the horses to beat. Because he just beat wow. every, just about everybody. What a great story! Number twenty-one from the twenty post at eighty-one to one odds wins the Kentucky Derby. I'm just glad Tyba and Messier didn't, because those horses were both trained by Bob Baffert, who was noticeably absent, but still uh, his influence loomed over the race yet again. You know, I'm I'm glad you said that. I didn't, but there were two ways to look at it. In my well, I wasn't pulling for either one of them uh, okay. because of Baffert. But, you know, would a guy as narcissistic as Bob Baffert really want one of his previously trained horses to win? Because then it would make him look like he wasn't all that, you know? Oh. Uh, so I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe just too deep into the, the, the <laughs> mess that is Bob Baffert. But that's kind of the way I looked at it. And the other way I looked at it was, I mean, I didn't think Taba had a shot at all. I mean, I was, oh. I think I said on your show, I was against Taba. And yeah. the thing is, Jordy, that horse was almost the favorite, almost the favorite. When we talked about maybe Mattress Matt coming in and betting $3 million right. on the favorite, right. when he made that decision, Epicenter was only a few hundred thousand dollars of head as a favorite. So there was like $5 million to win bet on Epicenter, $4.7 million to win bet on Taba. And so he, mm -hmm. met, he bet on 
epicenter, and that drove his odds down to four to one and raised Tava's odds up to six to one. But Tava could have easily been the favorite in this Derby, very easily. Wow. And here we go, uh, Jordy. We got another, you know, Louisiana Derby. I mean, epicenter. Just right there. I mean, he did everything perfect. Yeah. He perfect ride. You know, he ran his heart out, and he gets beat by an eighty to one. I mean, when he took the lead at the top of the stretch, I thought it was over. You know, I, did I really too. didn't think Zandon could catch him, uh, but I just thought it was over. And maybe he moved a hair too soon. I'm not sure, but wow, that's a tough beat. That's a really tough beat. That's something, man. I, I, look, I think it's great for horse racing that um, the little engine that could won the race has got everybody talking about it, and uh, they next head to that dump known as uh, Pimlico, as you call it, <laughs> and uh, yeah. we eat some crab cakes and run for the black-eyed Susan. So um, I was thrilled that the old cowboy, by the way, won the uh, the Kentucky Oaks. Oh, yeah. I thought that was terrific. That is a great story. Uh, what is he? Is he like 86 years 80 old? Something and he still gets old, on yeah. horses in the morning. And, uh, in, in, you know, in, in, in actuality, he had, the, he scratched a horse. He was the horse. He scratched the horse that allowed Rich Strike to get into the Derby. So he affected both races. Now, I mean, I think the horse he had was Ethereal Road. He didn't do it to help Rich Strike. He just, right. he just did it because his horse wasn't ready to run that day. But, if he wouldn't have scratched, or he, or if he would have waited, you know, if he would have waited another hour, epicenter is the winner. For goodness' yeah. sakes, you yeah. know, Rich Strike would have never been in the race, and that's uh, oh, it's funny. The T-shirt they print up every year with the jockey colors and have all the all twenty horses on it for Churchill Downs. Oh no, it does it. It doesn't have Rich Strike on it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> that, that's how. That's how un. You know, just just unreal and and unlikely of a story God. that this horse winning is. That sums it all up, and we'll say goodbye on that note, Michael. Thank you so much. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll hook right. hook up prior to the Preakness, and I hope that uh, Rich Strike is in good form and can run again, buddy. Thank you so Sounds much. Good. Thanks, Jordan. Hi, right, buddy. You take care. That's uh, Michael Bakeshock. Um, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook up with ride tickets for the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome, May 26th to June 5th. Text CHSF to 68683 to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. That's CHSF to 68683 to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. We'll be back after this timeout. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 9th, 1984. The Chicago White Sox defeat the Milwaukee Brewers 7-6 in a 25-inning game that began the day before. It's tied for the second longest game in MLB history, second only to a 26-inning game in 1920 between the Brooklyn Robins and Boston Braves. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back at 37 minutes after the hour. It's a Monday. It's always fun to talk with my good buddy from the RU Serious podcast who keeps growing and growing and expanding and expanding. Blake Rafino, man. Um, Congratulations on all your success, buddy. Thank you. And that's wonderful, man. I'm happy for you. How are you? 
Thank you, Jordy. I appreciate those kind words and doing good on this lovely, lovely Monday evening. Whew. It's a Monday, and I uh, hope, hope uh, Mother's Day was good for your bride and all that stuff. So you took care of your business, right? Oh, yeah. Took care of the business. Uh, good little pool party at the in-laws. Nice. So I, I thought it was a good day. Very good. All right. Uh, Vegas has come out with one Vegas uh, odds makers come out with their uh, predict projected win total for teams. And they got LSU at seven. When you saw that, heard that, what was your first reaction? Well, I, my first reaction was, what do they know that I don't? And yeah. I always, Jordy, for me, you know, let's take the purple and gold glasses off for just a minute. And That's right. uh, let's really think about it. Now, a lot of things could be said. I mean, look, <clears throat> they got A&M up there finishing second in the West. Uh, they got Ole Miss up there tying or, or, or second in the West. Um, so I, I think that they're maybe it might not be a slot or a slight at LSU, but more so that they think that other teams in that division may be better than some are expecting. Um, but also a plus 5,000 uh, for winning the SEC is LSU. So I don't necessarily agree with the seven. I would, eat, I would definitely take the over. Um, but again, Jordy, I think it comes to a point where, you know, what, what does having 10 draft picks in the NFL mean then? Um, do they not like the quarterback position? You know, one guy that, you know, runs one of the betting services that we use for our show, you know, like his biggest concern is what does LSU do at the quarterback position? And so Absolutely. the way that he thinks about it and dictating it um, for him is what does LSU do there? And everybody knows LSU has the talent, but I think for a lot of people it comes down to what do they do at quarterback? And don't you believe, I mean, I've said this before, you've got three quarterbacks that all kind of do things in a different form and fashion. And so whoever you pick as your starter and you've come out and said, I really don't like to play two quarterbacks, so I really like to have one starter. You've got to tailor-make your offensive scheme and system around the strengths of this quarterback. So I I take it in a critical way. Gee whiz, nobody has stepped up. There's not a clear-cut favorite in this thing yet. Um, so that concerns me, and I think that concerns Vegas, <laughs> to your point. Yeah, I mean, it certainly could. Um, you know, and look, really and truthfully, Jordy, I think it it, it should tell you um, what they think of, of Nussmeyer, what they think of Jaden Daniels, and what they think of Miles Brennan. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, it's, it's not a sl- – you know, Jordy, a lot of times people think it's a slight about something, and it's not. Okay, they, you know, I uh, Jordy, I, I was I was beating the drum, the UCLA drum, that L- there's no way LSU should be this big of a, uh, you know, only uh, three point two and a half, three point spread, and boy, were we all wrong. Yeah, but I think when you start taking the the purple and gold glasses off, I and talking to people, I think it it ultimately comes down to that quarterback position. And here's another thing too: you got a lot of offensive linemen you got to replace, and it's a transition year. So, can LSU get to eight, nine wins? I think they can. But I, I, I don't know, Jordy, if, if 
I'm going below seven. I don't think I can do that. No, I'm not going below. Um, I think LSU has the talent to fall out of bed and get you seven wins. Um, uh, I, I just do. So, so we shall see. But so much depends upon you know. It's it's uh, the 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 stage setter is that opening game, Florida State in the in Caesar's Superdome. I don't. Uh, Florida State's not that you know not where they used to be decades ago with Bobby uh, Coach Bowden running the show, but. Um, are you concerned? I mean, look, it's a new staff. Everything's new. So, of course, that game concerns me. Uh, are you at the least concerned? Um, well, concerned, yes. I, I think, you know, Jordy, a lot of times, you know, outside of facing like these FCS opponents, I think that anytime you face a Power 5 team, Vanderbilt, Duke included, you there's a, always a puncher's chance. Yeah. Um, so... For for that, yes, but I think it being in the dome gives LSU just such a huge advantage. I'm with you. Um, Look, I don't care about Alabama this year. They're just really, really good. So I would rather have Alabama in Tuscaloosa and let me play Arkansas or A&M at home rather than having to to go to Fayetteville and to go to College Station. Uh, That concerns me a little bit as well. Florida's always a swing game to me. you got to go to Gainesville this year. Who knows what they're going to have under first-year coach Billy Napier. There's a lot of unknowns on the schedule. Yeah, a lot of unknowns, Jordy, and a lot of people that – and a lot of teams and a lot of quarterbacks, you don't know who it's going to be, right? Yeah, and so, right. Uh, look, you, you you got K.J. Jefferson and Arkansas. I, I mean, could they make a run to be second in the division? Look, Jordy, quite honestly, I think that the SEC West, when you look at it holistically – could be an absolute nightmare. Jordan, yeah. you, could, you could have a situation where an eight-win LSU team could be in the top. And I know people aren't going to like this, but could be in the top 15 to 17 because of how loaded I think the SEC yeah. West is this year. Uh, look, I think A&M brings in a lot of talent. And we can't over – you can't – at some point, Jordan, you, you can't overlook recruiting, right? Yeah. Like, you can't overlook – what they've done at both lines of scrimmages. Uh, let's see what they do with Max Johnson. But still, I mean, look, it's a wide-open uh, division outside of Bama. Anybody can win it, um, or come in second, I should say. Right. right. Um, but, look, the bottom, bottom line is it's, it's, it's just as stacked as it normally is. Could this be the first year ever that LSU plays two teams that start former <sighs> quarterbacks? C.J. Finley at Auburn, uh, Max Johnson at a and I, I don't recall that ever happening before uh, in LSU history. No, I, I don't. I don't think it. You know, it has happened. I don't think it's happened to any school maybe ever in a season yeah. Yeah. that I can think of. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, and I can't remember. You know, you got Jalen Hurts, um, Alabama, um, but they didn't play. Um. Yeah, Joe. I can't remember. I, I, I don't think that's ever happened. No. But let me let me go to. Point, your, I don't your... know if T.J. Finley is going to be your outright starter in Auburn. I know. I, I think know. Zach Calzada and him are going to battle that thing out. But you again, you have a strong possibility to face two guys that you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Very unusual. That's not Very here anymore. Unusual. Right. Uh, Blake Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. What does 
uh, the mystery return of Anthony Bradford do for you with this offensive line? I mean, it's at one point in time, it was like, but you always said, look, there's some quality players and now it looks like they got quality depth. Uh, Does this, does Bradford and all these other guys now, I mean, open up the competition even more so uh, in the fall? Absolutely. I I mean, you got Dellinger that's returning. You have Marlon Martinez that's returning. You have Xavier Hill that had a really good camp. And then now you have Emory Jones that will be coming in. Jordan, they got, again, I'm telling you, they got talent there. Look, Jordan, I, I continue to say this and preach this from the rooftops. Scheme changes a lot of things. LSU's defensive line and front seven looked ex- just extremely better when the when what happened. The scheme changed. Jordan, yeah. you do not you do not run for as many yards as they did when if your offensive line's not getting a really good push. I'm Again, I, one scout told me about Austin Deculus, and I'll even say where the team the Houston Texans who drafted him. And I think I kind of mentioned it and hinted at it on my show and and others. Jordy, he went up against the number one player, consensus, some believe consensus number one player in next year's draft on Will Anderson. Jordy, not only did he not give up a sack, he didn't give up a pressure. Okay? That's a lot. (laughs) that that, That shows you how they did. When scheme changes, you have better coaching around you. Your personnel looks different. The way that you do things looks different. You get your ball out in space. You do a lot of things that helps the offensive line. I think with Anthony Bradford returning, he could play right or left guard. I think he could be, he could start at either one. Now, mm-hmm. uh, my good buddy Carter the, uh, Carter Bryant, who does a film breakdown on his YouTube channel, I thought that Traymond Shorts and Miles Frazier – Believe it or not, even more than Will Campbell, if you watch Miles Frazier, the the, the transfer, right. um, probably the best offensive line that I've seen and game that I've seen really in a long time. I think from he looks, he reminds me even with the same number of Lyle Collins, just not as big as Lyle was. Um, Jordy, he's a, he's a freak of nature, and he had probably the best game up front. So you got a whole bunch of depth and a whole bunch of places. Shout out to that offensive line and Coach Brad Davis for how he's recruiting and developing. Oh, Deculus. Is he going to try and, um, I mean, there's only so many positions. you got a lot of players. Everybody wants to play. Is that center position? Are you confident and comfortable with that, or do we need to ramp up the competition there? You mean, uh, you're talking about Dellinger? Yeah, Dellinger. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, um, Yeah, Dellinger, I think, you know, if you talk to them, I think it, it was about because he knows all the protections. Um, even this spring was able to pick up and, and talk and guide some of the guys about the protections. I think that they just were comfortable with him there. And, and, and really, Jordy, I, I, you know, they attack. It, it's crazy because they attacked things that they thought that they absolutely needed, and it was different than what maybe you and I thought that they needed. Let me explain. Tight end and center was something that we ultimately thought that they absolutely needed. Jordy, where are they? Right. Right? Like I they're don't know. so what is Brian what does Brian Kelly see there? So does Brian Kelly look at and I'm you know, very quickly, Kayshawn Bouti, Chris Hilton, uh, Brian Thomas, Malik Neighbors, Jack Besh and say, Well, hey man, I know that we need some we got some blocking tight ends on this roster, but am I gonna take Jack Besh out the game to put in 
a tight end that's not as good of a receiver as he is. Heck no. Heck no. Right. So, I, you know, we talk about it. We look at one position and we, we talk about it. But at the end of the day, sometimes your personnel dictates to what you run. I think it shows what Brian Kelly is as a coach. And he didn't overreact of going like Orgeron used to. Got to go get a tight end. Got to go get a tight end. Got to go get a tight end. Well, no, he's like, well, look, Jack Bash is here, and we're going to throw Jack. We're going to throw eight zero the ball a lot. So yeah. you know, shout out to. I mean, you got to give Brian Kelly credit because when you do something like that, you're you're not taking eight zero out the game. You're leaving him in there. And look, give it to Cole Taylor. I mean, Jordan, with all due respect, they threw in the ball six times. He had six catches. Yeah. I, I mean. Uh, so at, at some point, well, okay. So the, he he might be the most developed player, Jordy, that we're not talking about. You're right. You're Seriously. right. And look, I think it all comes down. And I haven't done the history of Brian Kelly uh, in his coaching career with quarterbacks. I know if Lane Kiffin was coaching LSU, I think um, uh, Garrett mm-hmm. Nussmeyer would have a great chance to be the starting quarterback. That's just his personality. I got to see what no, Brian yeah. K- and we'll know what his personality is by who he picks as the starting quarterback because each quarterback brings something. Is he more conservative? Is he more um, take a more of a chance? We'll find out by the coach's personality. I think who the starting quarterback is going to be. Right, and, and look, I, <laughs> you know, Jordan, we ran for three hundred yards, and I know it's a spring game, so I'm not putting a whole bunch on it. But, Jordy, they ran the ball for 300 yards in a spring game. I think that they're going to try to get the ball out to their receivers in the space as quickly as they can, and they want to establish the running game early. And if you can do that for a Garrett Nussmeyer while he's learning, a lot yeah. like a Joe Burrow type of-esque, like just given the relative understanding, if you're able to run the football while your quarterback's learning and developing, you can win a lot of football games. And I think that, right. you know, I, I – Jordy, bottom line though, you got to find find a way to get Jane Daniels in some packages. He's too explosive with his legs. You got to find a way. But other than that, Garrett can bring a, a multitude of things, and you got to give him a shot if he continues to do what he's doing. We shall see, Blake. Thank you so much, man. Um, have you, a Jordy. good rest of your week, Barry. Greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, man. Go Tigers. Got it, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Back to wrap up this Monday edition of the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. You're simply the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, quick wrap up here. Uh, Today is your birthday, May the 9th. Happy birthday to you and yours. You share yours with the piano man. Billy Joel, 72 years old today. Special thanks to Matthew Bruni, Karaski, Melvin, Michael Bateshock, Blake Rafino, and you, James Mesh. Thanks to all of you for listening in to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Come on back tomorrow. We'll talk Saints. We'll talk NBA playoffs. Uh, Milwaukee's going to win tonight. Golden State's going to win tonight. 
Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy, my friends. Let's be kind to everyone and let's be happy. So long, everybody. Mm-hmm.